Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, even before the pandemic, as many as one in six children had a treatable mental health disorder, numbers that have only increased of late, and yet the use of mental health services among children has declined sharply. We'll talk about how to reverse these worrisome trends. Also this morning, Finley Mayor Christina Mern discusses the Federal Airport Improvement Grant, the city's purchase of more flood-prone properties, and last week's Community Leaders of America Conference. And the pandemic may have upended your normal fitness routine, and for many of us, getting back into shape again is turning out to be far more daunting than expected. But we have help. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition. For Monday, May 23rd, 2022. If you are needing a reason to celebrate today, a reason to get out of bed, uh, celebrations today, observances, include International World Turtle Day. (laughs) So if that doesn't motivate you to get out of bed and get going this morning, I don't know what will. It is also Lucky Penny Day, National Taffy Day, And World Crohn's and Colitis Day. So, observances and or reasons to celebrate on this Monday. So, uh, the uh, first international shipment of uh, baby formula uh, is uh, now here in this country. uh, Arrived over the weekend aboard a military transport plane in Indianapolis. And uh, will soon be uh, be hitting store shelves in the U.S., Uh, The first batch, it says, from Operation Fly Formula, landed in Indiana yesterday aboard of an Air Force C-17 cargo plane from Germany. 78,000 pounds of Nestle Instant Formula is the equivalent of more than a million and a half eight-ounce bottles. And according to the White House, that is enough formula to fill about 15% of the need for formula nationwide. More flights are expected in the coming days. And uh, these are the specialty formulas specifically for those infants with special needs that can't just buy any old regular formula uh, off the shelf. Not that that's any easier to come by, but especially the uh, specialty formulas have been uh, very difficult to come by. And uh, so finally, um, there is uh, maybe some relief on the way, and that uh, Abbott plant in Michigan is going to be up and running again. So here in a few weeks, they'll be able to uh, restock store shelves. But it'll take a little while for all of this to work itself out. And over the weekend, it was really interesting. Uh, The uh, president uh, really took a beating uh, in a lot of the uh, commentary on, you know, how all of this has played itself out because the administration knew or should have known that this was going to be a problem back when that Abbott lab in, or that Abbott manufacturing facility in Michigan started having issues. Um, There were warning signs that, hey, this company produces something like 80% of the baby formula in the U.S., we shut this plant down, it's going to cause a problem, and we've got these supply chain issues already, and so on. So the administration really getting hammered uh, for the way they uh, botched this from the very beginning. And um, But it's not just one side, it's just one more thing that the president does not need with less than six months before the midterm elections is... You know, the appearance and uh, somebody, uh, one of the uh, commentators on uh, ABC's This Week yesterday morning made a good point. They said if uh, if the issue that many people had with the Trump administration was that it seemed like 
uh, it was uh, just one dumpster fire after another where uh, they were so hyper-focused on things that maybe didn't matter and important stuff got overlooked or fell by the wayside and it was just chaos in the White House. This is a perfect example of the situation not being any better under the Biden administration because it certainly appears to be chaos um, with respect to uh, with this is just another example uh, of it. Things have not uh, gotten any better in terms of the chaotic nature of the of this administration as compared to the previous one. But it is not just this administration or even Democrats in general that are uh, suffering from this. A new CBS poll, uh, CBS News poll out. Uh, finds that uh, Americans don't have great things to say about either political party these days. For the uh, Democrats, majority uh, don't uh, see them as either effective or in touch. And it is uh, more likely the Democrat Party um, is described as weak, cited by a slight majority, uh, weak rather than strong. So that's the uh, problem with the Democrats. For the Republicans... Uh, They are viewed as extreme by a majority of individuals in this poll, albeit a slight majority, uh, but they are uh, uh, described as hateful more than caring. A double-digit difference in in that perception. Uh, Americans, uh, let's see, the GOP is described as strong more often than weak, but Americans are more likely to see the Republican Party as fighting for white people rather than black people and more feel uh, that the GOP works against Hispanic people and against LGBTQ people than for them. Democrats by Congress are seen as fighting more for black and Hispanic people than for white. Uh, For the white population, Republicans are more likely to be believed as fighting against the interests of women than for them, while men are more likely to think Democrats fight more for women than men. So, uh, anyway, kind of uh, interesting. Nobody has good things to say. The bottom line uh, in this poll, bottom line is that people just don't have a whole lot of good things to say about either political party. And it's not just here, either. I saw this on the uh, Newswire that kind of surprised me. Um, A poll of nearly 1,000 people in the UK found that found that 50%, and this is people in Great Britain, in the United Kingdom, not in this country, but uh, poll found that 50% say they believe in the existence of ghosts, but just 20% say they have faith in government. (laughs) So it's not just in this country. (laughs) In the UK, more people believe in ghosts than believe that the uh, government knows what it's doing. (laughs) I would have to think that that may not be all that different than the numbers if you were to run that same poll in this country. 38% say they believe that the government has everything under constant surveillance. 38%. We are always being watched. Big Brother is here. 23% say they believe in astrology. And some more people uh, believe the government is constantly monitoring them. Then believe in astrology. 12% say they believe in magic. 18% say they have had contact with a ghost. And just 23% uh, say they are afraid of spirits. 
But again, compare that to just 20% have faith in government. So you line all of those dominoes up. It's just really interesting. Among all generations polled, one in three Gen Zers, the most of any generation, say they are afraid of ghosts, while just 16% of baby boomers said the same. But baby boomers are closer to being ghosts than our generation Z. So that may have something to do with it. I'm not sure. Uh, a couple of other uh, items here among the first things that you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. I mentioned the Memorial Day weekend right around the corner. Do you have any plans? Uh, big getaway plans. AAA says a lot of folks are going to be hitting the road despite high gas prices. The urge to get going again post-COVID is outweighing the expense of doing so. Uh, we are just so in need of a getaway that it doesn't matter how expensive it is. And uh, what is the most quintessential part of a road trip? If you've ever taken a road trip with the family, you know that it is the kids asking their parents, bugging their parents, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Recent survey of 2,000 parents of kids 10 and under sheds light on some of the struggles and joys they encounter while traveling with their little ones, and it reveals that parents start getting overwhelmed. <laughs> parents start getting overwhelmed five hours into the road trip with their kids. So that is the sweet spot. If you can keep it under five hours, then you're fine. But once you, once you hit that five-hour threshold, that's when you really start to get overwhelmed at traveling with the kids. That being said, 24% prefer traveling via car instead of flying to their destination when it comes to uh, when it comes to kids. Maybe that's because 72% of parents pack at least one bag or suitcase for their uh, children while they are on the road. It's just harder to uh, travel by air with kids. Yes, you avoid the are we there yet thing for the most part and you get there quicker. The uh, road trip can be a bit of a hassle with the kids, but all things considered, traveling on a road trip with the kids, easier than flying. You find that to be the case? Just kind of interesting. Yeah, new survey. And uh, speaking of travel, if you were thinking of traveling to Russia on vacation, you better check and make sure you're still allowed to go. You hear this? Uh, apparently, Russia's foreign ministry... Uh, put nearly a thousand Americans on their stop list over the weekend. Uh, this is a list of people who they are not permitting to enter the country. And uh, not surprisingly, several members of the Biden administration, including the president himself and the vice president, are on the list. Uh, they are no longer allowed in the country. I'm sure that they are crushed by that. Um, Donald Trump is not on the list, and that was one of the things that you know, many political observers, especially those on the left, made note of, oh, the Russians banned President Biden, but they'll let Donald Trump in, as if that had you know, said something larger about uh, the uh, relationship between Donald Trump and, and uh, the Kremlin. But uh, anyway, you can make of that what you will. But I thought it was really interesting, some of the other names that were on this list of individuals who are no longer allowed into Russia. For example, actor Morgan Freeman is now on the list. He's not allowed to go to Russia. They have him on the stop list. <laughs> that seems very random. But uh, Morgan Freeman no longer allowed into Russia. 
Uh, And surprisingly, the list also includes Arizona Senator John McCain and Defense Intelligence Agency Deputy Director Melissa Drisco, both of whom died in 2018. (laughs) They are now on the stop list. They are just now on the stop list. They are not allowed uh, to go to Russia. So... (laughs) I don't know if they are expecting some sort of zombie tourism going on in uh, Russia. No, but uh, that was uh, really weird. So anyway, check the list. To the best of my knowledge, I'm not on the list, but I don't know if it matters. But uh, there you go. Some of the uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Monday morning started. Uh, WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather, partly to mostly cloudy skies today with a high of 64. It'll be partly cloudy tonight, a low of 46. Law enforcement agencies will be participating in the annual Click It or Ticket seatbelt campaign the next two weeks. Safety officials say no matter what type of vehicle you drive, one of the best choices drivers and passengers can make is to buckle up. One of the local agencies participating is the Putnam County Sheriff's Office. The sheriff there saying if enforcement wakes people up to the dangers of unrestrained driving, they'll consider the campaign a success. According to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, in 2020, nearly 11,000 unbuckled vehicle occupants were killed in crashes in the U.S. Get more on the Click It or Ticket campaign on the website. Blanchard Valley Center is in the process of updating their strategic plan and is inviting the community to help out. We are looking to gather opinions, concerns, and expectations as part of the review. Community members are invited to participate in a stakeholder session in our training center here at Blanchard Valley Center. The center's Nadine Weininger says the community is invited to participate in one of the sessions that will be held this week. People unable to attend can still share their thoughts by contacting Blanchard Valley Center And we have their contact information on the website. A move made by Ohio's biggest university isn't sitting well with many people, including the governor. Governor Mike DeWine calling out Ohio State University for raising tuition for incoming freshmen. He said, quote, this is not a wise decision. The OSU Board of Trustees voted to approve a 4.6% increase in tuition for new in-state students. That's a $549 increase from last year. The university says a new rate will be locked in and rates won't go up for the students while they're in school. I'm Andrew Kinsey. The WFIN AM 1330 transmitter is experiencing technical difficulties and is currently off the air. Remember, though, you can still receive WFIN programming at 95.5 FM. Additionally, you can get programming at WFIN.com and by clicking Listen Live on the website and through Alexa. I'm Matt Demchek with 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. Well, even before the pandemic, as many as one in six U.S. children between the ages of 6 and 17 had a treatable mental health disorder. Data also shows that over the past five years, the number of children diagnosed with anxiety or depression grew by nearly 30 percent. A trend accelerated during the pandemic. And yet the use of mental health services declined sharply among children ages 18 and under starting in 2020. Dr. Aditi Malik is a chief medical officer for the Center for Medicaid and CHIP services. And Dr. Malik, first of all, we're familiar with Medicaid, the health care program for low income individuals. CHIP is the companion program for children, correct? That's exactly right. And CHIP does something very similar, which is offer free or low cost health care coverage 
to eligible, excuse me, eligible children and gotcha. teens. Gotcha. Yeah, we just want to based on family income. Yeah, yep. ju- just want to kind of expl- uh, establish that for those who are not familiar with the terminology and what types of mental health services are covered under Medicaid and CHIP. Great question. I'm so glad you asked. So in addition to routine healthcare visits and emergency services, Medicaid and CHIP also include coverage for behavioral health services. So that includes mental health diagnosis, mental health counseling, where appropriate mental health medication um, for the most common, um, for uh, really for a range of mental health symptoms and disorders to prevent, diagnose, and treat those disorders as well as to prevent, diagnose, and treat a range of substance use disorders. Now, again, because we're talking about this in the context of low-income children and families, are there disparities in how and how often different populations access mental health services? There are, unfortunately. Many minority populations are less likely to even access these services in the first place. And when they do try to seek out mental health services, often face difficulties accessing care because of language, cultural barriers, or financial or insurance-related issues. And that's really been compounded, unfortunately, by the COVID-19 pandemic. Over the last two years, kids and teens have faced much, and as you said, a surge of 30% increase in anxiety and depression, and really just general stress of virtual learning, lack of broadband, loss of a family member or caregivers for some families, food insecurity and economic stress. And you layer on top of all of that from the pandemic, um, recent spikes in violence and discrimination against many minority communities. And what we're seeing is really a disproportionate burden of mental health illness and issues among minority children and teens. And so with all of those contributing factors, talk about from a medical point of view, why it is so important for children and teenagers to have access to these mental health services, these behavioral health services, because uh, again, sometimes the common thought is that kids are resilient. They uh, tend to bounce back from these things uh, more so than adults. And obviously you find that that's not the case. A hundred percent. So even prior to the pandemic, as you said, um, treatable mental health disorders were actually remarkably common among kids, about one in six between the ages of six and 17. The most common being anxiety, depression, ADHD or attention deficit disorder uh, and behavioral problems. And there are really unique vulnerabilities and developmental implications when it comes to mental health in children. It impacts the way they learn, the way they behave, the way they handle their emotions. And a lot of those, um, a lot of mental health conditions really um, surface, if you will, in early childhood. And if they're untreated, can have long-term impacts on an individual's health and well-being and emotional resilience. Um, And so knowing that, and knowing that there is an unmet need for access to mental health care services, particularly for children living in low-income communities, ethnic minority groups, and kids with special needs, it feels all the more important to share that there is coverage available, right? And that the ability to access those services can really help bridge that divide. Um, So I want to take the opportunity to mention 
a website and a phone number that I hope um, listeners can jot down or maybe remember in their minds of where to go for more information about these programs. The website is insurekidsnow.gov, um, insure with an I, uh, and you click on find coverage for your family. The phone number is one eight seven seven kids now and either of those are really a one-stop shop where you can learn about coverage options and eligibility um, year-round. Um, and for some folks, can you can even find out if you qualify on the same day. Now, as a bit of a sidebar, we should point out that there are uh, other benefits. There's a wide range of benefits that uh, Medicare uh, or Medicaid and CHIP offer besides behavioral uh, health and mental health services. Uh, so this is uh, more comprehensive than just that. We're focusing on that, but it is not exclusively that. That is exactly right. And these are these programs really cover a full range of primary preventive health services. Um, and diagnosis and treatment services for behavioral health, but really children's health and wellness in general. Now, that includes yeah. things like uh, dental visits, vaccinations, um, m- routine sort of medical care and mm-hmm. dental care um, without hearing screening, vision screening, lead screening, um, all of which are really important without, you know, preventive dental care a small problem becomes an impediment to learning or right. for a kid suffering from a, a painful toothache, right? A dental problem becomes a dangerous infection. So it's doctor's visits, emergency care, dentist visits, eye exams, routine training. These are really designed to be a, a comprehensive benefit for um, and children and teens under up to age 19. And uh, you kind of touched on this uh, just a moment ago, but just to underscore is there an enrollment period for these programs like there is with uh, Medicare or a conventional insurance plan? No, sir. That's one of the best things about it. So a family can apply for Medicaid and chip coverage at any time of the year. And you can sign up um, by phone. You can sign up online. You can sign up by mail or you can sign up in person. Um, and when you sign up for coverage at any time of the year, the coverage does not renew automatically. So you do need to renew every year to keep the coverage active. That part is similar to okay. Medicare or other insurance programs that folks might be familiar with. But the actual process of en- enrolling, you can do anytime. And lastly, I know that over the past couple of years, one of the major concerns when it comes to both mental and physical health and wellness are the number of appointments, screenings, and so on that have been missed due to the pandemic. What is the message for parents if uh, their child has missed uh, an appointment or something of that nature? Uh, again, regardless of whether we're talking about uh, through uh, Medicaid and, and, and CHIP, but really uh, to all families. Yeah, great question. The main thing I want to underscore is it's really important and it's not too late, um, right? It's really important that children get back on track with their mental, medical, excuse me, and dental care and um, mental health and behavioral health needs. And so for any family that has had misbusiness for whatever reason, really over the last two to three years, I strongly encourage you to contact your health provider and schedule an appointment to catch up on any missed visits and vaccinations. Uh, those are really essential preventive services and routine well child visits can help ensure that a healthcare provider is meeting and can check really that your child or teen is meeting important developmental milestones. 
and allow them to provide age-appropriate immunizations that help keep kids healthy. And those visits are also a really good time to talk with uh, your child or teen's healthcare provider about any mental health concerns that they may be experiencing. So it's not too late. Medicaid and CHIP cover all of those healthcare needs. Um, strongly encourage you to make an appointment if you don't already have coverage or have questions about how to get coverage. Those web, the website again is insurekidsnow.gov or you can call one eight seven seven kids now. Again, Dr. Aditi Malik is the Chief Medical Officer for the Center for Medicaid and CHIP Services. Dr. Malik, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me, Chris. Have a great day. Finley Mayor Christina Mern is with us in the studio this morning. Lots of things going on. And uh, first and foremost, you are uh, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed just back from... Happy Monday. (laughs) (laughs) Just just back from the Community Leaders of America Conference, um, which is something that you had not uh, done before, right? This is something new? So this is something I've done before. Um, It doesn't happen quite as regularly as the U.S. Conference of Mayors Yeah, that's the one that everybody is familiar with. So what's the difference? Yeah, so Community Leaders of America is a, a much smaller organization typically more of the conservative individuals. Okay. Um, so it, it's interesting because it's a couple of mayors and then there are a number of city council members from large cities. So Austin, Texas, um, New York City. We had a couple in New York City. There mm. are a couple of Republicans on the New York City uh, Council. <laughs> a couple of county commissioners, now that but being it's, said, it's a smaller group. New York Republicans are a little different than, say, Alabama Republicans or yes. even Ohio Republicans. Yes, you know, there is definitely variety across yeah. the country, but it was great. You know, very similar kind of topic discussions, but obviously a kind of a different lens on which we're, we're discussing. And then also talking about how we continue to work and promote uh, kind of conservative viewpoints within the U.S. Conference of Mayors and, and across the country. So what do you take away from a uh, conference like this, especially this one, again, as you said, a little bit uh, a little bit smaller and um, um, more centrally idealistic in terms of rather than the yeah. big overview of the U.S. Conference of Mayors? Yeah, it's interesting because it's, it ends up being pretty similar. A lot of the issues that mayors deal with are you know, pretty nonpartisan. I would say the the most the items that we discussed most were still infrastructure related. You know, talking about how are our communities putting the dollars to use? What are the gaps that we still see? Um, what are the issues that we're running to into implementing it? Then we were talking with business partners on kind of what they're seeing. Obviously, supply chain impacts, et cetera. Um, another interesting one continues to be workforce. You know, we hear that across the the country, mm-hmm. housing, um, and an interesting one, they were talking about regulations. And this is not something something we need to think about in Finley, but is not something that we're seeing a big issue with at this point, but short-term re- rentals. So Airbnbs, different things like that. Mm. Some communities are, are having issues with that and disrupting mm. neighborhoods. So what, if any, policy should be implemented just to make sure that we have some safeguards for the community? So it's always interesting because... There are things that we're dealing with, and then there are things that you go, huh, okay, I should probably just kind of keep that in the back of my mind mm-hmm. so I know who to contact on, on, or see what they've, how it un, 
ravels in in their community. Um, Speaking of neighborhoods, we'll uh, segue uh, into this. Uh, Reports uh, last week, the city is looking at uh, purchasing some more flood-prone properties, uh, more on the outskirts of the immediate area that was the focal point over the past uh, couple of years. Uh, I was a bit surprised by that. I thought that the city, we were done buying (laughs) flood-prone properties. So why are we scooping up more? Yeah, so these properties are not specifically within the benching area. The county has obviously been taking the lead on property acquisition Mm -hmm. over the last probably five years specifically, um, primarily because they are the ones with the sales tax money. So they're the ones that have been taking that lead. There were uh, about three properties on the north side of Clinton Court that um, have been properties that have um, posed some challenges to the city of Finley over the years. And were identified as properties that would be nice to have as we're developing the benching area. And, you know, it's no secret that we're looking at making sure that 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 also provides recreational benefit when it's not flooded, making sure that its primary purpose is served. But else, how else? That's, you know, 16 acres of property right in our downtown that we don't just want to have be a field. Um, So as we're looking to develop that, we felt that it was best to also have some of those properties that weren't properties necessarily that we would want to, have um, our community or visitors focus on when they're visiting the area. Um, that is uh, that is a uh, difficult uh, precedent to set because there are a lot of blighted properties uh, in neighborhoods. I mean, you could you could you know target a number uh, of those. The city can't buy them all, obviously. So you know, again, Correct. do you want to set that precedent? So I think that this is obviously a a unique situation because it is near an area that so much development is going to be occurring Mm -hmm. and pretty much all the properties right around it have been purchased. So I think the it's, it's a unique situation. Plus then I think that it was a negotiation between those property owners. And if someone came to us and said, listen, I can't maintain this property anymore and it's, you know, running down the neighborhood or, you know, whatever the situation may be and said, you know, I'm trying to sell it. Nobody's interested. You know, I highly doubt that because people are looking to buy properties. Um, But, (laughs) you know, if they approached the city and it was a situation where we felt like it was going to be in the benefit of the community, I think it's always, I'm always willing to consider that. Do I think that the city is going to become a, you know, a real estate developer? No, but I think this is a unique situation because I know that the commissioners had had conversations with them previously and just weren't able to reach a dollar amount. Um, and I felt that it was important and council gave authorization to negotiate for those properties. You uh, mentioned what to do with all of these uh, properties, some that have been, been cleared, uh, these uh, properties that we're talking about uh, being added to the list. Um, again, we talk about unsightly uh, buildings and so on on some of those uh, properties that have been cleared. But having big, open, empty spaces uh, in large sections of the community, downtown and so on, not exactly the uh, best look either. <laughs> so, but you are got to be careful as to what you do with those, because obviously the uh, goal is to have them uh, available for excess flood water uh, runoff and, and so on. So, right. Yeah. So a lot of the properties, so there are probably a hundred properties throughout town. Yes. A big concentrated portion of them are downtown right Mm -hmm. off of main street. Right. But you know, East main cross is 
you know, lots of houses mm-hmm. used to be there and they're there now just, so we will definitely be looking at what is the best use of those long-term. I would expect that they'd maybe just be kind of park areas, maybe a little trail, something like that, because a lot of the properties do have deed restrictions given the FEMA dollars were utilized to develop them. So, mm-hmm. or to purchase them. So they have very uh, restrictive covenants around how they can be developed. And you wouldn't want to develop in in certain ways Correct. because then you're just you yeah. know, re- and then it negates restoring the, the problem. Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. yeah, so it negates it. You know, this area, again, it's just north of Clinton Court, so it's not specifically in the benching area, but it is an area where we have, um, would, well, I would expect that it will just be cleared. Um, I know the big question is, well, what's your plan with it? My plan right at this point is just to clear it and have it be as green space as a continued buffer for the development that's going to happen on the north side or on the south side. I have no plans beyond that. There's no big master plan to, you know, buy a bunch of the properties there and sell it to developer. We don't have any specific plan at this point to do it. it it's something that really um, it's a properties that we've had consistent issues with that um, we've had, you know, police interactions with. And that really has been something where mm-hmm. it's not something that I felt like should be in that same area, excuse me, in that same area as we're trying to really improve that that spot. By the way, that purchase not quite official yet, right? The, Correct. Uh, yep. That's so one of the things you're going to be talking about over the next uh, several days. You've got to what? Correct. Uh, appropriations, appropriations committee is today. meeting tonight at four o'clock yeah. just to kind of go through the details. We we run a lot of our kind of large purchase items through appropriations. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll just. They'll make then a recommendation to the full of council. And then uh, legislation is already in front of council and had its first reading at our last council meeting. Right. And we'll go for a second reading uh, on the first meeting of June, which I think is the second or third. And you expect that to move forward? You don't expect I mean, any? I, yeah, I don't think so. Um, you know, I think that there's questions and they should be asking questions for sure. But I think it's something that council recognizes is an important area um, that has been an issue in the past. And they're the ones that had authorized me to go out and, and talk to the property owners in the first place. Also wanted to uh, uh, mention, as we said, the uh, big airport uh, grant, federal airport grant yeah. uh, that was received. Going to be upgrades, what, on the uh, the taxiways, the uh, aprons, uh, terminal upgrades, and so on? <laughs> so this grant is specifically for the north apron, which is kind of like the parking area right. yeah. <laughs> of the airport. And um, really kind of loading, um, unloading. It's a grant that we were expecting to receive, but mm-hmm. always great to receive official word. Um, so what we're going to be doing is kind of reinforcing and creating a, a apron that is able to accommodate and withstand heavier weights. Um, we're seeing a significant increase in our cargo operation, so making sure that we have the appropriate structure to be able to maintain that. Well, and that was really the question. How how critical is that? I mean, you know, most people see the airport and uh, they, they view, obviously, some private planes and, and mm-hmm. so on. Marathon uses it quite a bit. As a matter of fact, I, I think there are a fair number of people in the in the community who see it as Marathon's <laughs> airport. I know. We need better um, signage on um, it. I know it's a Finley airport. But, but. <laughs> uh, you know, what? How how is that utilizing? How critical is that? When we talk about the big picture of economic yeah. development. It's extremely important. Um, a lot of our manufacturing, we have a number of them that utilize the airport for supply chain. And as we look at the importance and the difficulty that our businesses are experiencing with supply chain, being able to make sure that they're able to access those items mm-hmm. to keep their businesses operating is, is critical. So we do see, um, I forget, it's like 156 um, cargo 
operations last year. Hmm. We're like, we have grown extensively and we're actually on the cargo side starting to compete a little bit with the Toledo Express Airport. Hmm. So uh, much bigger impact than maybe what uh, some folks realize. For sure. Again, uh, Finland Mayor Christina Mern with us uh, this morning. Mayor, thanks very much for uh, dropping by. Yeah, great to see you. Thanks, Chris. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veteran Services. Kind of a light day of the uh, broken news. Not a whole lot going on. We have some interesting stories here, though. Uh, item number one, you know, this is uh, the time of year, high school graduations and, and all of that. Senior skip days. Do they still do that? Senior skip days. And senior pranks, uh, which are usually pretty harmless. High school seniors pulling a prank on the uh, on the school and school administrators. This one, however, uh, not so harmless. The Frisco Independent School District in Texas says a small group of students at uh, Frisco Memorial High School uh, actually had received permission to carry out um, the antic, the 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 prank that they wanted to do uh, was putting post-it notes pretty much everywhere. Uh, around campus, on the on the walls, on the just covering the school in in post-it notes. It was going to be the senior prank, and they went to the administration and said, "Is it okay?" And the school said, "Okay, yeah." But instead, uh, this went uh, this went haywire in a hurry. There were paint uh, there were paints that were splattered everywhere. Fire extinguishers set off. Toilet pa- paper uh, hung from the ceilings. And, of course, the post-it notes scattered around the building as well. Security cameras were also covered in plastic. The district wrote a statement that the whole situation devolved very rapidly. They also noted that police and firefighters had to be called in to get things under control. Video of what what went down made its way to social media. Administrators say damage is estimated in the thousands of dollars and includes uh, removing paint from the walls, destruction of furniture, discharged fire extinguishers throughout campus, and more. Every surface of the 300,000 square foot campus had to be cleaned or has to be cleaned. They haven't done it. In fact, the situation so severe that the school principal told parents that the school would be closed for the last two days of the school year. They couldn't reopen uh, for uh, last Thursday or Friday because of air quality issues. As a result of the prank gone wrong, the district says it is working with police to track down those responsible who could face criminal charges. Man. That is... <laughs> that's going... completely off the rails there. Meanwhile, it's not always the students who do strange things. Uh, sometimes it's the teachers in Houston, Texas. A junior high school teacher is going viral for asking students to buy and rate his book... In return for a perfect grade in his class, he'd written a book and he had self-published it, put it out on Amazon, and he told he told his students, buy my book and give me a positive review and I'll give you a good grade in class. <laughs> a video posted online about the uh, <clears throat> assignment quickly took off. Both parents and students expressed concern of the ethics of the whole situation. One parent called the situation not acceptable and said the teacher was exploiting himself through the children. A letter sent to parents from the school's principal said that the teacher's actions are now under investigation. <laughs> I would hope so. 
<laughs> not, not a good look there. A um, couple of other uh, items. The broken news. Definitely odd and unusual. Officials in Polk County, Florida, arrested a woman who got uh, pretty McMad uh, when a fast food joint messed up her order. We have that happen. Everybody's had that happen when they messed up her order. So I think we can commiserate, but uh, she kind of took it to the next level. Through a tantrum after her order was botched, Sheriff Grady Judd said the 22-year-old by the name of Tianis Jones turned violent after uh, apparently she went through the drive-thru. They messed up her order, so she went inside to complain about her order when employees attempted to rectify the situation and offer a discount. Ms. Jones walked behind the counter where a security camera caught her throwing cups at employees. (laughs) Uh, After the whole altercation, then she actually called 911. She called 911 to complain about her messed up order. Uh, She said, I'm five months pregnant and these people don't know how to run a McDonald's. What, What the fact that she was pregnant had to do with that, I have no idea, but she felt the need to point that out. She... She didn't, according to the uh, police report, she didn't get her Happy Meal. She didn't get her fish sandwich. She didn't get her chocolate shake or her sweet tea. She did manage to get a trip to jail. (laughs) She is charged with burglary, assault, criminal mischief, disorderly conduct, and misuse of the 911 system. (laughs) She never did get her order. Doggone it, I tell you. Hard to get a good help these days. And finally, in the broken news, sometimes you don't have to go very far to find uh, broken news. In Ashtabula County, Ohio, a man has been charged with operating a vehicle under the influence. What makes this interesting, it was not your usual type of vehicle. According to the county sheriff's office, 21-year-old Nathan Miller was the reckless operator of a horse-drawn buggy. (laughs) It was on the wrong side of the road. Uh, The... The uh, body camera video, you can hear the uh, uh, the uh, sheriff's deputy calling this in. We got a drunk Amish guy passed out in a buggy. <laughs> uh, apparently, the guy woke up and led police on a low-speed chase <laughs> in the buggy for a short time before he was eventually pulled over. When deputies tried to gain control of the horse, it crashed the buggy into one of the police vehicles, which only made the situation worse. Mr. Miller arrested for OVI and treated for minor injuries. I think the horse uh, is going to be okay, and I think the uh, sheriff's cruiser is going to be okay, too. But what a mess. (laughs) There you go. Uh, That is just not something you run into every day, I would imagine. There you go. That is uh, today's broken news report. This update and the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less. Of Hancock County Veterans Services, we now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. This is the sound of a popular American motorcycle. It's the sound of freedom, the open road, really good times. And this is what it sounds like with a drunk guy in it. How do you like the sound of that? Cops are cracking down on drunk motorcycle riders. If you ride drunk, you will get caught and you will get arrested. Drunk riding. Over the limit, under arrest. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Transportation. 
And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. Everybody is concerned about inflation these days. And I know a lot of folks uh, thinking, you know, doing some belt tightening, uh, especially the price of gas uh, the way it has been and the price of uh, everything, uh, grocery store shelves, everything, price of everything is going up. But it does seem that Americans, despite their concern over inflation, are still spending money on things that they don't necessarily need. An annual poll of 2,000 adults finds 64% of us have actually increased our impulse buying in 2022. And the average U.S. consumer, according to this poll, now spends $314 a month on impulse buys. Things that we don't necessarily need. $314 a month. So it seems we have plenty of room to tighten our budgets with the increase of everything else that we have to buy. Uh, what's interesting is the uh, average spending per month on impulse buys was only $276 last year and only $183 a month in 2020. Uh, additionally, the most the average person is willing to spend on a single item is up $310 versus $277 last year and $157 in 2020. Uh in uh, nearly three quarters of those in the poll, 73% said that most of their purchases tend to be spontaneous. Uh, last year, that number is only 59%, so that up significantly as well. Uh, the most common unplanned purchases in uh, the categories, clothing is the top, uh, food and groceries, uh, going out to eat or buying things other than what's on your grocery list, was number two. Household items, shoes, and consumer technology, the biggest categories of impulse spending in that order. So the bottom line here is that if you are struggling with higher prices of everything and looking for places to maybe cut back, these are the areas to take that first look at, those impulse buying areas. Well, for a lot of us, the pandemic upended our normal health and fitness routine. And while most Americans say they are determined to return to their earlier form, getting back into pre-pandemic shape is turning out to be far more daunting than expected. So joining us with some advice on getting and staying in shape is Dr. Gloria Beam, NCAA head team physician. And Dr. Beam, I guess it should be no surprise. Uh, the pandemic upended all of our normal routines. So why should exercise and fitness be any different, I guess? That's right. And Curad actually did a study and it showed that almost 70% of Americans abandoned their fitness routines. Yeah. And now they're coming back. They're going to get fit again. And three in four Americans are getting injured yeah. just recently. So they're, they're, it's important you go back the right way. Right. There is that danger in jumping back into a workout too quickly, even if it was something that was a regular routine pre-pandemic. It's not like you can just pick up where you left off after all this time, right? That's exactly right. So exercise is excellent. It's great for your body, it's great, and it's great for your soul. But if you don't get back into it right, you're going to have a problem. So you can get injuries to your bones, your joints, your muscles. So you've got to start slow and gradually progress. That's really important for people to realize. And that's important with not just, you know, going back to a workout routine that you used to do, but also if you're starting from scratch. 
you want to do it right. And I've got tips for you if you want. Uh, exactly. I was going to say, uh, what is the <laughs> safest way to either start a new routine or get back into an old one here? Yeah. So first, it's important to talk with your healthcare professional to help choose the right routine for you. Not every routine fits everybody. You want to assess your fitness level. You want to get a baseline. Where are you at right now with your weight, with your heart rate before and after taking a brisk walk, for example, or your flexibility? So can you bend down and touch your toes without bending your knees? So you want to kind of assess where you are. And then you want to plan your routine based on your fitness goals, whether it's just to get to your pre-pandemic fitness or do you want to train for a marathon? Start slow progress gradually. I can't say those words enough. That's so important to prevent injury. And if you do develop an injury, if you don't follow my advice, um, you want to see your doctor right away because they could help you modify your program. Or, you know, if you go to a gym, a lot of gyms have fitness professionals or trainers that can help you get on the right program to reduce injury risk. Yeah. Uh, and one more thing I want to oh, say yes. on this topic. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I I want to say it's very important to allow recovery in between workouts. So if you do see the fitness trainer and they say, okay, do A, B, C, D, and E, you don't want to do that all in one day every day. You have to split things up because you have to let your body heal in between workouts. So you could work arms and upper body one day, and then you can work legs the next day, and then you can do your cardio the day after that. Yeah. You want to split things up so that you have you have time to recover. That's really important. You mentioned uh, injury. Even if we do all the quote-unquote right things, there is still always the chance that we are going to tweak something. We're going to get some kind of an, uh, of an injury. Uh, many times it just happens. What can people do to help uh, prevent, you know, actively uh, prevent uh, an injury uh, or recover from uh, an injury when it does happen? Sure. So many injuries occur from overuse or poor training techniques. So you have to look out for those. You don't want to overdo it and you don't want to train improperly. And that's why I mentioned earlier the fitness trainer. Right. But sometimes accidents happen. You could be running down the trail and you trip over your dog, right? You can sprain your ankle. No matter what the injury, you must give your body time to rest and recover. Now, let's say I do trip over the dog and I have an ankle sprain. Darn it, I can't run now. I'm going to ruin my fitness. No, you can cross train. So you can go to a local pool in a fitness center or a health club, YMCA, whatever, and swim. You can do swimming. You can do water aerobics, which is kind of fun. And you can still maintain your fitness goals while you're healing your injury. Okay. Now, if the injury is mild, a little bit of swelling, you can do some icing. You can do some ankle supports. There's different products available that can be very beneficial for this type of thing, and you'll probably get better pretty quickly. However, if you have a really significant injury, your ankle is terribly swollen. You can't bear weight on it. It's horrible. Please go see your doctor. Don't try to treat that one on your own. And as far as prevention, as you mentioned, mm -hmm. warming up and stretching are paramount before a workout. Absolutely. Uh, with respect to uh, those self-treating, uh, self-treating those injuries uh, when when they do happen, how do you determine what is uh, the best course of action? Whether it's a uh, uh, something that you can do yourself or when it's time to uh, seek out professional help. 
Well, if you're going to try to treat yourself, if it's a mild injury, mm-hmm. it is very important to choose high-quality fitness gear. Now, this starts with the shoe. you got to have a good, properly fitted shoe because it all starts at the feet. If you don't have good shoes, you can develop stress fractures, knee and hip joint problems, back pain, etc. So you want to make sure you have good shoes. You also can use certain products that are available, but you want to get them from established brands. For instance, Cured Performance Series, which is the official medical supplier for Ironman and did this study I mentioned earlier, they have an excellent line of products for recovery. They were designed for high-performance athletes, but fortunately it's available for all of us, and they can be very helpful. For instance, if you strain your knee or sprain your ankle, or you fell tripping over the dog and you sprained your wrist, or if you develop carpal tunnel syndrome, I mean, I could go on and on, right. but there's different support braces you can use. And there's also something they have, it's called Active Ice, and it delivers a powerful cooling effect to a local injured area. So let's say you strain your quad muscle, and it's a little swollen, it hurts a little bit, it's not horrible, like you can't walk, you have to go to the doctor. But you put this Active Ice on, and it can deliver really good cooling, which is pain relief. It can give you pain relief. And also the cold temperature, and you can also do this with ice at times too. You've heard of rice where you do rest, ice, compression, elevation. Mm-hmm. But what cooling can do is it can enhance blood flow to the area, localized, and that can increase tissue oxygenation. Now, when you get more oxygen into the tissues, you have a better chance of recovering the injury more quickly. So all really good advice, and especially that part about making sure that you're uh, getting good quality products, uh, both during and uh, to recover uh, from any uh, workouts, not just something that you see at the discount store uh, at late night TV. Uh, Again, uh, Dr. Gloria Beam is uh, NCAA (laughs) head team physician with us uh, this morning. Where do we get more information real quickly? Well, for the products I mentioned, you can go to curad.com, and they're available on walmart.com and amazon.com. Very good. Uh, Dr. Beam, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Yes, my pleasure. You guys have a great day. And that will wrap up our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us this morning. And remember, you can get more information on all of the stuff that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. So check us out online at goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow, you need to unwind after a long week at work. Rally in the Alley is back. We've got a preview Until tomorrow morning, that is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.